When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome in to another edition of the 25 Yards Later Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Elijah Motika, and I am serving as your host today. Be sure to follow our show at 25YLFF on Twitter. And we've got a really exciting episode for you here. This is our intro to Dynasty uh, that we do every year, and we've got an awesome guest joining us. Uh, this is Michael Royer from the Smash Accept podcast, the host of that show at Dynasty underscore Dad FF on Twitter, uh, and that show at Smash Accept. Um, so welcome in, Michael. Yeah, I'm excited to be on here. You know, I, I'm honored to jump on. I know you and I are in the the same league now, so I'm excited to talk a little bit of Dynasty. Not give you too much information because I don't want you beating me too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did just do a pretty blockbuster trade today. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get bigger than that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had to sprinkle in a little bit of fab to, you know, to make it all add up. Right. It was like Alexander Madison for a third, and you threw that $10 fab, and I was like, all right, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, we know what we're doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, super excited to have you here. Uh, so we'll talk about the news a little bit, get into some intro to what Dynasty is. Then uh, get a little bit of the rookie preview going because you know we're recording this shortly after the NFL draft, so everybody is really jazzed about these new rookies, these new prospects. Um, but let's get right into the news here. Uh, mostly, you know, non-rookie news. Um, the uh, a couple of big trades on draft night. Uh, but first, let's talk about Melvin Gordon re-signing with the Broncos. This is something that. People kind of expected based on the talk out of Denver, uh, but I think the whole fantasy community was really hoping wasn't going to happen so that Javante could kind of be unleashed a little bit. Uh, But what, Michael, what are your thoughts on that uh, news of the resigning? Yeah, I mean, the Javante Williams truthers are out there and they're like, you know, he has moved all the way up into Dynasty as like a top five running back because mm-hmm. everyone was anticipating Melvin Gordon leaving. You know, he had a great rookie season. But when you look at the two next to each other, I mean, they literally split it almost dead even. I mean, they both had 203 carries. They both had nine, roughly 900 yards. They both had, you know, 4.5, 4.4 yards per carry. So, I mean, literally they were just vulturing each other a little bit. You know, you had two solid RB2s. And I feel like we're going to get a little bit more of Javante. You know, it was almost a dead 50-50 split. If we get 60-40, Javante Williams has the talent to be an RB1. You know, it's just we were all hoping in Dynasty, we were all hoping in Fantasy that Melvin Gordon was able to go to Atlanta or someone that's really missing that running back punch because Melvin Gordon, you know, he's a volume running back who's got some talent, you know, and he definitely is on that Fantasy radar that you want to have. I feel like Melvin Gordon now is a, is a cheaper buy now. You, you have a situation yeah. where – if if Javante Williams goes down, Javante Williams' price is so high. If he goes down, Melvin Gordon is able to put up those solid numbers year in and year out. So, I mean, you know, definitely interesting situation. We didn't get what we want, but we have two solid running backs there now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and moving on here to a couple of other things. We've got receiver news, uh, three parts of receiver news here. A couple trades on draft night that I alluded to. We had Hollywood Brown go to the Cardinals. Uh, so the Ravens sent Hollywood and pick 100 for pick 23. Um, and then the Cardinals picked up that fifth year option after the trade went through. And that one was a little bit interesting that it seemed like that trade was already done, you know, days or maybe weeks before the draft. Uh, but nobody knew until draft night. And it seemed like Lamar was pretty upset. But uh, Tyler was stoked to get back with his old teammate. Yeah, and I think that's like a two-part move, right? I mean, the, the 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 relationship between Arizona and Kyler Murray has soured. You know, all the the Twitter hype of him, you know, removing his things, asking about a trade, wanting a contract. And I think this was just Arizona two ways: one, going out and getting you know his buddy from Oklahoma, getting those ties there, and then we find out that DeAndre Hopkins gets suspended six games for PEDs. So you know, it felt like, like you said, it was done ahead of time. Like with, the Cardinals knew what was going to happen. The Cardinals were trying to you know, repair that situation with Kyler and replace him. And if you look at things, I mean, Kyler Murray now has a deep threat on top of that. Mm -hmm. You know, things were kind of bunched up a little bit last year with 
Christian Kirk not being a deep threat and, and DeAndre Hopkins. And Hollywood Brown just gives them that instant chemistry that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, too. And especially early in the season with that other piece of news of DeAndre Hopkins being suspended for six games uh, for PEDs. Um, and he posted you know, on social media that you know, he's not going to uh, fight the suspension, uh, but he you know, takes care of his body, yada, 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 everything that you yeah. know, players will uh, kind of put out there after something like this comes out. For So really, to start the season, it's kind of Hollywood and nobody um, after you know, Christian Kirk left town, too. And um, let's get into this last piece of news, probably the biggest piece of news. I buried the lead a little bit uh, on draft night as well. A.J. Brown was traded to the Eagles, um, which was, I mean, just wild. But, I mean, that we had kind of seen some of the rumblings, the whispers in the bushes about him holding out for a contract or whatnot. Uh, and so the Titans received pick 18 and a pick 101. And then they turned around and drafted a wide receiver uh, to replace A.J. Brown pretty much straight away. Um, I'm pretty excited about this AJ Brown of the Eagles. I love it. I am, you know, just about an hour outside of Philly. So I'm an Eagles fan. Mm. Um, I love Jalen hurts. And it was like, what's going to happen here? And the Eagles did some great things. I mean, they traded back one of their picks to now have two picks in 2023, which we're going to talk about that class is loaded compared to this class here. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, what, what wide receiver are they going to take? And the problem is Jalen Rager. You know, and, and and things like that. Like they have missed with him and JJ Arcega Whiteside, and I'm like, man, whoever they take is going to be that guy that misses. And then AJ Brown comes in, one of my favorite dynasty wide receivers, mm-hmm. absolute stud. So, and they have that chemistry. I mean, they are literally best best friends in in real life. I mean, you know, they showed uh, a Twitter video today where AJ Brown, when he was getting his phone call when he was into the NFL, Jalen Hurts was with him, and vice versa. I mean, these guys Dang, right. have been working out all off season together, and this is this is exciting. Yeah, uh, and I think it actually creates some value on the opposite end of where you know the hole that AJ Brown left. You know, the Titans have Robert Woods uh, that's coming in and hopefully re- fully recovered from his injury, and so he, his value. I think people are just so tired of Robert Woods, uh, you know, because he's been solid for so long. Like he feels forgotten to me. Right. Um, and so I think and he's going to be a big value, especially in redraft. In Dynasty, you bring it up with Robert Woods, and people feel like he's like 35 years old because he feels right. like he's been in the league forever. But, I mean, he's he's 29 turning 30, and he's got talent to be a wide receiver too. I mean, he just gets it done year in and year out, and he's that guy we'll talk about a little bit later. He's just not that sexy pick where you're like, oh, I got Robert Woods. It's like that win now and there you go kind of piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that kind of uh, wraps up the news for us. Um, so now let's get into, you know, what you're here for, what all the listeners are here for, uh, and learn a little bit about Dynasty. It's time to build a dynasty, and it shall be the very best. Oh, yes, the very best. We'll take every Michael, can you tell me just a little bit about, uh, you know, in, in a, a quick segment, just what is Dynasty uh, and particularly like how does it differ from Redraft that we usually talk about on the show? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I am absolutely hooked on Dynasty fantasy football. I mean, that's why I created the Smash Accept podcast. For me, Dynasty is like we all loved playing Madden and we love creating our franchise mode and doing those things. And when I started playing Redraft when I was in high school, it's like, oh, that was a great year. That was a lot of fun. Man, I wish I could keep that roster, right? Because mm-hmm. you had that that team that was just going to win year after year after year. And then it was like I, I transitioned that into maybe a, we talked backstage about a keeper league where you're like, oh, I keep one or two guys. And then it was like, I need more, right? So you, it's like kind of a gateway. And you get yourself into Dynasty where it's like, Every year, you know, you get to keep your your roster, you get to make your trades, you get to have an upcoming rookie draft and, and smash except right now we're running five different rookie drafts. You know, we have five mm-hmm. leagues and it's a blast because the biggest difference for me between Dynasty and Redraft is trades. And that's why we created our podcast. It's all about trades. But everyone's looking in different directions. You know, if you and I are in a redraft league together, there's one goal, right? It's to win it all. When you're in when you're in Dynasty, a good league has 
three to five teams that are all in. They got a couple teams in the middle. And then they got guys, teams that are trying to rebuild. And they're always trying to, we say, if you're not in those top three or bottom three, you're not doing it right. Because you want those <laughs> rookie picks. You want those those one-on-ones. You want to be that guy who gets Saquon Barkley or the guy next year who gets Bijan Robinson. And, and you put yourself in there, which is why it's so exciting. You get a lot better relationships because – you're going in different directions. There's a lot of dynasty talk and everyone has different evaluations. You know, it's some guys are all about get, you know, formulating a, a plan to get all youth. Other guys want to win now. And it just creates just such a fun environment in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's been such an interesting transition for me moving over to dynasty. I mean, I had a, a three day conversation over the course of the last three days, trying to get a trade done uh, with, you know, uh, some rookie picks involved, young a young quarterback involved uh and those types of multi-day conversations just don't happen in redraft right um and all of the evaluations are totally different i was looking at your uh at your team in the league that we're in together and you have like no picks nope. like over the yeah. course of the next few years they're just gone <laughs> well that's so in that we've had that league for four years and i've been mm-hmm. in the championship every single year so i'm like i find this way to just keep it just young enough you know like just right. just transition some picks i call them insulated trades where i'll trade a guy like you know a guy like deandre hopkins before he was you know i i dealt him in our league for terry mclaurin in a first and that first became Najee harris you know and that's Mm. where you can you can anticipate and the more educated you are the easier it's going to be for you so i mean that's everyone has different mentalities some guys like to have all the picks you know because this week, right after the rookie draft, they're going to have all the fun of doing that. Me, myself, you know, I'm like, I want to build on guys that I believe in, guys that I know. And my rookie evaluations are good, but my best talent is, you know, the negotiation and the trades and, and having fun with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Dynasty also awards a lot, of, a lot more opportunities for some different formats, uh, whereas Redraft is... Uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, you can kind of change the roster size. You can go PPR standard, half PPR, whatever. Um, but I, I think that Dynasty really affords you the opportunity to have a, a multitude of different formats. Um, so what is your favorite Dynasty format? And can you talk about what makes that special? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's Superflex leagues and Superflex is where you're, you know, you have your standard one quarterback league. I love playing Dynasty Superflex where you have you start one quarterback and then in your other flex position, you can start a secondary quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like it's just transition so much where you, you move a little bit. And then all of a sudden I've added points per carry to, you know, make the running backs worth the same since it's full PPR. And then we've done tight end premium to make, you know, the idea is to make everyone equal the whole way across the board. So you can spread things out on how you draft. You can take guys and, and have a draft situation. The leagues that I like the most is it's start one guy at every position in like six flexes. So you can just play around with, you know, everything you got or start two at every position. You know, you want to have as much variety as possible in Dynasty because it promotes more trading. I mean, the the more rigid it is, the more rigid the format and the more strict it is with you got to start this, you got to start that. This is the exact formula. Then you start to get, you know put tight parameters on there. But if you keep it open, I feel like it's a lot more free-flowing, it's a lot more fun, and there's a lot more trades involved. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, most redraft leagues that I see, you know, when I joined Dynasty, that was the first time that I saw a tight end premium league or the first time that I started seeing points per carry. Uh, it, it just doesn't really seem to happen in redraft because probably 90% of redraft leagues are folks that are you know, a little bit more fantasy for fun, casual players. Yeah. Uh, and they're just doing the stock options on Yahoo or ESPN, you know, the defaults, whatever, you know, their preferred platform is. Uh, but when you get in a league with people in Dynasty, it's like you're not just committing to this year and you're maybe 10 bucks that you're throwing in. Like this is a, a much longer commitment potentially. And so you get to tweak all those little things to really design a league the way that you love, which is something that I'm really uh, loving about Dynasty here. Oh, I agree completely. You know? Yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know, trades are a big difference in Dynasty. Um, and then the the value of the players also, obviously, con- since you're considering having them on your squad for so much longer, player value is distinctly different in Dynasty um, and draft strategy as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about the different drafts that happen in Dynasty? Because it's not like redraft where you just do, you know, your one main draft. Um, and then talk a little bit about how 
uh, draft strategy and player value changes when you start a dynasty league. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference is when you look at running backs, you know, so if you're doing a redraft league, I mean, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, you're going to have Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, all those guys up there, Dalvin Cook. In Dynasty, we're looking at, you know, you are, are building a team, I always say in a two to three year window, Dalvin Cook's going to be 27 years old. So we are at a spot where in Dynasty, you want to sell Dalvin Cook and get those younger running backs, you want to get those prospects in redraft. You love Dalvin Cook. You love right. Derrick Henry. I mean, those guys are going to win you championships. So I, I think the biggest difference is, for instance, I mean, right now, I, I mean, just did a, I'm doing a startup right now, and Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey went in the early third round. You know, if you're doing a redraft league, Christian McCaffrey's pick two, and Joe Mixon's probably pick five, six. You right. know, so like that's the big difference there is you only have to get through that one year, and you don't care how old your guy is. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receivers, once they hit that 28, 29 year age cliff they're barely worth a first round rookie pick and you'll you, you know we were we were talking about some trades in the other league i mean at this point deandre hopkins is 29 years old and he's missing six games his dynasty value is done you know like he is he's worth a second round pick to a lot of people right now which is which is crazy to me just because he's right. been such a staple so i mean i think age really plays a, a lot in there uh, i think the dynasty community has really tried to move of getting rid of a guy before it drops off. Like last year, everybody was trying to sell Devontae Adams, but he's fantastic, right? He's winning you championships. So that's the trickiest part is, is knowing when to sell those guys, knowing when to move on. And that's really what makes the difference is, you know, if you're not winning, you're going to trade a guy like Devontae Adams to get some of these wide receivers in this rookie class now. And, and that's the cool part about Dynasty, because even if you're losing, you're winning. Because if you were losing, now all of a sudden you're in the front of the class and you're drafting Brees Hall, who we're going to talk about later, and, and, and things like that. So, you know, you get yourself into that rookie draft, which is a fun time where we bring everybody back together, right? So, like, sometimes you're more dormant leagues everybody starts coming out of the woodworks in other leagues, you know, like our smash except leagues, those guys, I joke around. I mean, they're kind of degenerates. <laughs> like you put a post up and like literally within five minutes, all 12 people in the league have read it and they're commenting on it and they want to make a trade, you know, and it's just right. crazy activity. So all leagues are, are different, but that's kind of the fun of, of dynasty is, is that rookie draft and kind of everybody believes just like in the NFL draft, right? Whatever team, you know, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. So I'm like, yo, this is it. We're going to get better. Right. So in your dynasty leagues, you're going to draft rookies and perceivably get better. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think a big distinction that some folks don't quite understand when they first join a dynasty league, like the, the very beginning of the league, you do your dynasty startup draft, which is essentially a redraft. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the same as your redraft league in the sense that you're just drafting all the players, you do your 12 rounds or 14 rounds or whatever, um, except that your rosters are so much bigger because yeah. everybody's keeping those players. And then, you know, after you do that, generally most folks will do a startup prior to the rookie draft, and then they'll do a rookie draft uh, after that point. And then from that moment on, for the foreseeable future in your dynasty league, you're never going back to drafting those active players again. You know, it's it's rookie drafts every single year. Um, and I know this is in a number of leagues, but I want to get your take on it, too. Uh, players that are active players, but free agents, you know, out on the waiver wire. How do you feel about those being drafted as part of the rookie draft? And some teams or some leagues do that and some leagues are exclusive yeah. to rookies. I'm commissioner of 12 leagues. I, I think all the smash leagues, it's just rookie drafts. Mm -hmm. But some of my other ones, my home leagues and things like that. We've kind of, I think what's important in Dynasty is having a group chat, having a, you know, everybody feel like they have a say. Nobody wants that commissioner is like, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. You're like, do you guys want to have veterans in here? And at that point, most Dynasty rosters are 25 to 30 men deep. Yeah. So the, the amount of guys that you're going to have that are free agents, you know, like you might have a guy here or there, but for the most part, they're going to be drafting rookies anyways. Um I'm in FFPC, which is uh, which is a fantastic website. I'm on the Pros versus Joes, which is really cool, and they make you take your roster from 25 to 15. So the, it's rookie and veteran, and you have to cut 10 of your guys. That's so it's like you throw them back in, and that that kind of makes it a little bit more fun too, because sometimes you know, and then other other drafts, it's like you create a taxi squad so you can have your guys that are drafted as rookies where you don't have to cut a bunch of your own players. So there's so many different ways to do it. I mean, I could talk about Dynasty for days, and we would just keep going back and forth. 
but it's really what you want it to be. There's so many different varieties, you know, and so many different options to do with it. It's, it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, so let's get in a little bit, uh, to some of this NFL draft and, uh, how we're going to be looking at this going forward. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the draft reactions, uh, more broadly, um, and then take a short break and then we'll come back into more of a deep dive of our, uh, rookie previews. Um, so my initial draft reaction, just especially watching that first round, it was like so much defense. Like there, you know, only one quarterback drafted in the first round, which is wildly different than what we've seen in previous years where, you know, most of the top five are going to be quarterbacks. Um, No running backs drafted in the first round, no tight ends drafted in the first round. The only skill position players that we saw uh, were these wide receivers, which is a big part of the class. But I was just really struck by how much defense was in this first round of this draft. Yeah, and you had alluded to it earlier saying that I didn't have any picks. In all my leagues, I've been stocking up on 2023 picks because this class is was well-known as a mediocre skill set class. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 2023 class, as good as Brees Hall is and everybody loves him, all the guests that we've had on that have come on in their major you know, draft and rookie analysts, there are 8 to 10 players coming out next year who would be drafted ahead of Brees Hall, mm. and he's the 101. So it's like next year's class – is going to be like 2020 with the Jonathan Taylors and the Justin Herberts and Joe Burrow. I mean, it is projected to be phenomenal. This one is a lot of defense. It's a lot of O-line. A lot of, I mean, there's some fantastic D-line, some corners, you know, and, and it is a good defensive class, and we need that too. But as far as quarterbacks go, you know, even Kenny Pickett, he's the only guy to go in the first round. Not a lot of excitement right there. You know, and the running backs, there's two of them that went in the in that second round range, you know, and the, it's a wide receiver class. And as sometimes in, when we're talking about fantasy football, wide receivers are the least exciting of the group, right? We all want those running backs. We want those quarterbacks. And there's some value there to be had. But at the same time, it kind of just explains how mediocre this class is across the board. Yeah. And we saw also with those, uh, the top prospects that we do have, uh, most of them went to places with already established veterans at the same position. Um, so how is that going to affect your perception of those players at the top of your rookie drafts? Like, how do you really value, uh, you know, the opportunity versus talent debate? Right. Talent wins out. I mean, I always say cream rises to the top. We always get lower guys. Guys get lower values because they they feel like someone's there. Like Javante Williams, we talked about. Everyone's like, oh, well, Melvin Gordon's there. He's not going to get that much. I mean, and then within a year, we were able to see what he could do. Alvin Kamara was another example of like Mark Ingram was there. Oh, don't draft Alvin Kamara. And he was falling to late first in rookie drafts. And now look at him. I mean, he's a phenomenal running back and he's up there. So I feel like sometimes we just look at the situation and it doesn't feel right. And then the next thing you know, we get something crazy like Devontae Adams is traded. Tyreek Hill is traded. I mean, yeah. the new NFL, people are getting traded all the time. Situations change. So I feel like you draft off the talent. And that's why we really try to promote, you know, being as uh, informed as possible when your rookie drafts start, you know, and, and understanding where those guys were at before the draft, as opposed to like, I also look at the, the flip side is like Clyde Edwards Hilaire was RB five in 2020. And then he goes to the chiefs and people are taking him over Jonathan Taylor. And you're like, pump the brakes. Like mm-hmm. he's not that good, you know? So it's like situation isn't everything. The talent really wins out most times. Yeah, and I think that's true in Dynasty, especially uh, because, like you said, the situations can change. I mean, if you ask us a year and a half ago, you know, Tyree Kill is going to be with Patrick Mahomes for you know the rest of their career. That's never going to change, right? And then we see this offseason, you know, bam, Tyree Kill is gone, and there is a massive void in those targets for the Chiefs. Um, and you know, you see that, or you know, in Miami where Tyree Kill ended up. Even just last year to this year, it's like, oh, Jalen Waddell is a target monster. And how now is Tyree Kill going to be impacted? And you just, yeah, I'm totally with you. You can't react too quick uh, yeah. to the situation, especially in Dynasty. If you have these players for a number of years, you're going to see probably a lot of permutations of uh, what their opportunity looks like. 
Yeah, and we always say it's buy low and sell high. You know what I mean? It's a difficult mm-hmm. situation. Jalen Waddle went from being a second-round startup pick to maybe fifth round now just because of that. Right. But the talent's still there. So who knows? Maybe Tyreek Hill's there for a year and something else happens. You know, it's mm-hmm. just – it's it's a crazy thing. And it's it, – in redraft, you already have all that information in front of you. And right. Dynasty just adds a little wrinkle there. I mean, I have teams that have Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, all the guys that got traded. And now it's like, what's going to happen now? You know, so it's – it's fun, but it's it's kind of a little crazy sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, last question here I just want to talk about before we get into that more deep dive of our rookie preview. Um, talk about your favorite rookie prospects, you know, for fantasy at each of these major skill positions. And like we said, you know, not a lot of quarterbacks drafted, uh, really probably no relevant tight ends. Uh, so, you know, maybe you can gush a little bit about maybe yeah. one or two receivers uh but you know talk through some of these for us yeah i mean for the running back class Brees hall is going to be a guy that if you are playing redraft he is someone that you're going to want to you're going to want to go out there and get you know i know the jets had michael carter in place but Brees hall projects as a three down back absolutely can do it all i mean he has the same kind of measurables as jonathan taylor i'm not saying he's Mm going to be as good as jonathan taylor but he has the athletic profile, he has, you know, the the draft capital in that second round. He has the production profile in college that is elite. I mean, we had on uh, John Lobb, who's from the Gridiron, he's at Gridiron Scholar 91 from the NFL Draft Bible. And he says he is his fourth highest rated prospect in the last 10 years behind oh. Zeke, Saquon, and Jonathan Taylor. And that is it. He said okay. he was better prospect than Christian McCaffrey, you know, better prospect than Alvin Kamara. And when that happened, and this is a guy who I'm highly respecting the community, I'm like, all right, let's let's look into this, you know. And and uh, in the last draft that I just did in Dynasty, he went above DeAndre Swift. I mean, mm-hmm. like, and we're talking about a guy who I think is going to do big things. Where you're going to get a discount because he's on the Jets, right? Most people are so far off the Jets, but the Jets had a phenomenal draft, and I think this guy is going to be a rock solid RB two this year. And in Dynasty, you know, he's a he's a top six to eight running back when it comes to things right now yeah that that's uh you know those those are big words there that that makes right go get Uh, him man go get him yeah and we definitely uh you know speaking about you know folks being off of the jets like we had uh i mean last year i mean the last number of years it was just the hashtag never jets like doesn't matter who it is just i feel like they're gonna be like a fun they're not like, you know, usually say you're a light version. This is like an extremely poor man's version of the Bengals. Cause Zach Wilson, I feel like has some tools there. They have Elijah Moore and now they got, you know, Garrett Wilson. They got the running back there with Brees Hall. I mean, I'm not saying they're the Bengals. I'm not even come, coming close I mean, to that. I'm a Bengals fan here, so don't yeah. even uh... – so, so, I mean, they are an extremely poor version of that, but I feel like they're moving in the right direction. And then my wide receiver, he's been my number one wide receiver since day one. The big wide receiver, 6'3", 225, literally can do it all. He comped to a shiftier version of A.J. Brown, which is awesome because that's where he went. He is – Traylon Burks is going into the A.J. Brown role, role there. And like I said, I mean, I loved everything about him when I saw him coming out of college, led the country – as a 6'3", 225 man, led the country in yak, which yards after catch is not usually done by those guys. Right. It's done it's by the – man's the, game. Exactly. And this guy, I mean – Last year, his top speed was higher than any NFL player. He reached up to 22.6 miles per hour on a breakaway, which Ooh. is just insane speed. Once this guy gets going, I mean, he is a Debo, A.J. Brown type person if they give him the right situation. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you know, I, I just hope that he's not the, the Debo, A.J. Brown type when it comes to, you know, staying on the field or being off <laughs> yeah. the field. But Hopefully he doesn't yeah. have the same agent. I mean, Terry <laughs> McLaurin, Debo Samuels, and A.J. Brown Hall have the same agent, and they all did the same thing the same week. We're like, we're not playing until we get a contract. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like a coincidence, does it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any other uh, wide receivers uh, or players that you want to talk about before we yeah, start deep dive? There's a lot of guys that I that I really like, but one I'm I'm looking into right now is Christian Watson. I mean, I know he's from North Dakota State, you know, which is is a much smaller school, but we wanted to know who was going to go to Green Bay, who's yeah. going to be with Aaron Rodgers. He's six four. He his athletic profile is off the charts. It's just going to be like, can he get that chemistry? Because there is no wide receiver one. Like they literally. They, they went out and they got their second first round pick. They still don't get get him a weapon. You know, they don't get Aaron Rodgers a weapon. 
Watson could be that guy, you know, and he could be, I, I know this feels kind of lazy, but like a Jordy Nelson type in that offense yeah. and, and it could be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for that for sure. Let's go ahead and take a short break. Uh, and then we'll get diving into uh, the rest of the rookies here. Hey, kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on the Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. All right, welcome back, y'all. We are here uh, with Michael Royer. You know, we're diving through Dynasty. Uh, so let's get into this rookie preview. And as we've mentioned you know, throughout the show, uh, the main thing that we want to talk about are these wide receivers um, because there's really not much else to talk about at the skill positions here. Uh, so let's dive through a couple. Um, you saw them throughout the first round, six wide receivers drafted in that first round. Um, and the first one of them being Drake London out of USC going at pick number eight to the Falcons, who just you know, lost Calvin Ridley for who knows how long, you know, at least a year uh, on that suspension. Um, and so there's really a void uh, and losing Russell Gage as well, who went to Tampa. There's like nobody but Kyle Pitts to catch passes there. Um, so what do you think of Drake London? I mean, Kyle Pitts is the only the only show in town right now, you know, and I think the Falcons went out and they they went out and they got their guy. You know, I mm-hmm. think Drake London last year, you know, only in eight games, 88 receptions, 100 over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns in just eight games. I mean, like he literally progressed year after year after year. He has the ability to play outside, play the slot. But the, the thing with him is they said he didn't doesn't separate, you know, that he doesn't have that top end speed which makes me think a lot of like Mike Evans, you know, he's got that length, the size, the red zone skills. And, you know, we talk about it a lot where uh, the ability to separate is huge, but some wide receivers have those ball hawking skills. And Mike Evans was able to thrive because he was given situations with Jameis Winston, with Tom Brady, Drake London. I don't know if we see that breakout this year because the quarterback is Marcus Mariota. You know, they did take Desmond Ritter, but I, I think ultimately he'll be their wide receiver one, you know, this year. What that says is, you know, you're looking at a, a team that's going to be in negative game scripts a lot. So they're going to have to throw. I'm just not 100% sold on Drake London, maybe wide receiver two, wide receiver three range in Dynasty. Uh, but you can't can't overlook the draft capital. I mean, top 10 wide receivers rarely, rarely miss. So, I mean, I think he's a, a good talent. I don't think he has the same ceiling as some of the other guys that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And for those wide receivers that don't get separation, it really is, you know, a lot about their ball hawking skills, you know, their uh, contested catchability. But like you said, it's a lot about the quarterback that trusts the guy uh, to actually throw the ball to them. I know like Devontae Parker is one that comes to mind that he is one of the doesn't get a lot of separation, but, you know, great contested catch guy. Uh, But he was irrelevant until Ryan Fitzpatrick showed up. And Absolutely. just started chucking the ball to him. And then everybody was like, holy crap, where did Devontae Parker come from? But he had been there the whole time. He just wasn't getting those balls. Uh, and we have that cautionary tale of like one of my favorite prospects ever coming out was Nikhil Harry. We <laughs> were like, you know, he's that guy that need, he never got separation. You know, he didn't have that top end speed. But people are like, look what he can do. And then he goes to New England and New England doesn't throw up 50-50 balls. You know, New England's about protect the ball. And then it's like. Where is he gone? You know, he was a first round pick, just disappeared, you know. So I like that's the thing that we're that always worries me a little bit when guys don't get separation. You gotta be able to win one way or another. It's either separation, ball hawk skills, those kind of things. You gotta be able to win. London did in college. We'll see how it happens in the pros. Yeah, and this next guy, uh, at pick ten, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, uh, goes to the Jets and a very different player uh than Drake London. Uh, tell me a little bit about Gary yeah, Wilson. Completely opposite. I mean, we're looking at four three eight speed. Dude does not is not as polished maybe mm-hmm. as Drake London with his route running abilities and things like that. But he's a home run threat, just waiting to happen with the balls in his hands. He's got crazy bursts, and that's how he separates off the line. Like he is able to make those quick moves, a la Tyreek Hill, where he gets open with that burst where most guys can't keep him. You know, they can't touch him right off the line. And I think. In the Jets offense, you know, I think Zach Wilson was a gunslinger at BYU. And I think he didn't have the weapons last year. I love Elijah Moore, but I think Garrett Wilson's going to unlock that a little bit. 
And I think this is a guy that I think has that, like I said, that home run threat potential. I, I have him as the wide receiver one, wide receiver two in the class with, with Burks. And I think Garrett Wilson's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I I mean, I like that, you know, you're you're kind of selling me on the Jets and I don't feel too good about it. I know, right? Like <laughs> the, the Jets just don't feel good, but I mean, I think they had a fantastic draft. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson was the 1A, 1B when it comes to wide receivers. Brees Hall was everybody's, you know, RB1, and they got uh Juice Gardner, who was everybody's like number one corner. So I mean, right. for what it's worth over the last 2 years under the new coaching regime, it looks like they're trying. They're hitting. You know, it's yeah. just a tough division to win in. Totally. Um, yeah. And so directly after Garrett Wilson goes, the Saints. You know, they were doing a lot of pick shenanigans moving into the draft, and then they pull some more pick shenanigans, and they move all the way up to eleven uh, to draft another Ohio State player, Chris Olave. Uh, similar speedy guy, but definitely uh, a little bit more polished is what I'm hearing about him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Harrison Wilson. When the Saints have a guy, they just go all in, right? I yeah. mean, they 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 moved into this class by giving up a first next year. They moved up to go get him. And Chris Olave, we had Matt Waldman on the show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work yeah. with the RSP. He has Chris Olave as the number one wide receiver in this class. And he had him just behind Chase and Waddle last year. So better than a lot of guys in, in last year's class. The tricky thing is, you know, another Ohio State guy. So it's like the craziest thing is they have Garrett Wilson – Chris Olave and their best wide receiver from Ohio state is still in college. Like that's how good yeah. that offense was. But I mean, you're looking at, he runs a four, three, nine speed, which is, you know, it's crazy. They got two, four, three guys, both Ohio state, but he's a lot more fluid. You know, he has a probably the most polished wide receiver coming out in the best route tree. And I think he's the most pro ready guy. The interesting thing there is, you got Jameis Winston as your quarterback. Right. Is Michael Thomas coming back? What kind of Michael Thomas are we going to see? Mm-hmm. And, Chris Olave would not surprise me has the best rookie season out of everybody here, but he just doesn't have that same flash that, that Garrett Wilson does. So in most of our rookie drafts, he's going considerably later. Yeah. I'm really excited about Chris Olave. Uh, Nick always teases me on the show that I'm a secret saints fan. My wife is a saints fan. And so I, I root for them a lot, uh, but I was pretty excited about this draft pick uh, and seems to you know project as far as the route running goes, kind of like a Jerry Judy type. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, different bodies a little bit, but, uh, I'm hoping that he can show more out of the gate than Judy did. Coming, uh, yeah. And who better to learn from than Michael Thomas, if he absolutely. can get his act together. Yeah. I mean, another Ohio state guy right. so it's like, I feel like that was kind of their thought process is like, they got one more year with Michael Thomas before he's a free agent. They're going to have Chris Olave come in and, and eventually be that wide receiver one. Yeah, and so right after that, you know, back to back to back, the wide receiver, the run started. You know, we see this in fantasy drafts, and we see this in the NFL draft, too. Uh, at pick number 12, James Williams goes to the Lions, a uh, player out of Bama, um, who most people were saying that without the injury is the best wide receiver in the yes. class, kind of by far. Yeah, I mean, he tears his ACL, which I think gives them this discount here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the Lions. And the Lions, I know we said the Jets had a good draft. So did the Lions. And I know that just doesn't sound right. You know, <laughs> synonymous with winning or good drafts, it just doesn't make sense. Right. But, I mean, this is another guy. We said Garrett Wilson's a home run threat. Jamison Williams, you know, I wanted him to go to the Chiefs. That's like the ideal <laughs> thing right. because he is the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that I've seen. I mean, you're looking at a home run hitter. Think – Deshaun Jackson being able to stretch the field and just, you know, there's, they're going to have to get creative on how to get him the ball because he is not the most polished route runner. However, we're talking when he was in high school, he was a record breaking, you know, countrywide state hurler, you know, and I think he's someone who he, he does run a smooth route, but they're going to have to find the ways to get him the ball. And I think when he does, and I don't think he jumps on the field right away, which is actually probably pretty good for the lions mm-hmm. because I feel like the lions are just, They didn't take a quarterback this year, which is awesome because I thought they were really going to try to go way too early on that. They're trying to play it like a dynasty, build some (laughs) pieces, and hopefully Jamison Williams has the ceiling of a Garrett Wilson or even more so than Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks. It's just, can he put it all together? Yeah, and I mean, Jared Goff is, as far as fantasy is concerned, you know, which is what we care about the most here, uh, Jared Goff can support fantasy points to pass catchers you know he's done it his whole career you're not probably going to want to start Jared Goff on your fantasy team 
but he does enough for an offense that we saw last year at the end of the year with Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has good, been a good player too. Um, so I definitely think that there's some value for the Lions. And then next year, the quarterback class is so much better than it was this year. The Lions are, I think, uh, building things the right way. Um, so moving on to the next player here, Jahan Dotson uh, goes to the Washington Commanders at pick 16. Um, talk to me a little bit about this. This pick was, uh, I was a little bit surprised to see Dotson go ahead yeah. of some of these other players. Uh, but talk to me about Dotson. I was too, and I think in, in the dynasty format, you talked about there's a there's a Jared Goff and the quarterback for the Commanders, Carson Wentz. There's a discount attached to whoever their wide receivers are mm-hmm. because they make poor decisions, but they still are competent quarterbacks. They make things happen, and I think Jahan Dotson is going to be a field stretcher. When I watch him, and I'm a big Penn State fan, just every everything it, it seems smooth. It seems mm-hmm. effortless. He's just. The biggest thing is, is he going to be able to match up physically with some of the corners in the NFL? But, I mean, the speed is there. Another guy, almost everybody we've talked about other than Drake London runs a f- sub 4-4. I mean, they are absolutely burners on the field. And that's what today's NFL is all about. So, Jahan Dotson is not getting the same play as some of the other guys, you know, just because we weren't quite sure who he was. But I feel like he's going to have a – he's mixing in there. Same thing as Terry McLaurin. They're going to have a nice little offense there with the commanders, and we'll see how that happens. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too. You know, we talk about uh, – you just mentioned he gets a little discount because of who his quarterback is, but nobody thinks that Carson Wentz is going to be the long-term quarterback there. And so that's a situation – maybe there is some value there that you get a discount now because of who the quarterback is. But in Dynasty, mm-hmm. two years down the road, maybe it's a whole new situation there. Exactly. Um, so you already talked about Traylon Burks a little bit, uh, but – is there anything else you want to add about, you know, your favorite wide receiver? In this <laughs> no, he just fills right into that AJ Brown role. And I think Robert Woods is the biggest guy under the radar there. But I think Traylon Burks, if they scheme him right, you know, they're going to have to get him bubble screens. They're going to have to give him some handout handoffs a lot. Like if they can use him like Debo, I think this guy is going to be phenomenal, you know, but if they don't, he has the lowest floor out of any of these guys in the first round, but arguably the highest ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the you know the type of risk that you sometimes have to take in in the NFL and in Dynasty. Um, so you mentioned Christian Watson a little bit ahead of that as well uh, up in our last segment. Um, I mean, it it is just all about you know it, it's the quarterback relationship, especially early on. You've got Aaron Rodgers, who is arguably you know the most efficient. I mean, I don't even know if that's arguable. The most efficient oh, quarterback yes. of yeah. all time. Um, and for fantasy, uh, he doesn't really disperse the ball a lot, but there's always whoever his number one target is, uh, is, you know, usually a wide receiver one. Um, and this was an interesting stat for Matthew Berry that I saw, though, that no rookie Packers receiver has ever eclipsed seven fantasy points per game in that uh, rookie season. Um, so, I mean, no other Packers rookie, though, has had this situation. Um, Someone's got to catch the passes, right? I mean, it's like yeah. Valdez Scandling is gone. Devontae Adams is gone. Randall Cobb is a shell of what he used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wide receiver one, if they didn't draft anybody, is Alan Lazard. Yeah. You know, like someone's got – he's going to get on the field. I mean, we know that's going to happen. And if he can get that trust, if he – they say he's a high-character guy, he's a guy that's going to outwork everybody there. And Aaron Rodgers loves that kind of player. So, I mean, if right. we can get someone – if. And the athletic ability is fantastic. So this is more like, you know, we talk about Christian Watson going to Green Bay and Sky Moore going to Kansas City. Like those are the ideal landing spots in fantasy. It's just, are they as good as these other guys? Right. And that's that's the tricky part. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, after Christian Watson, uh, it's it's just a bunch of dudes kind of like there were a lot of second round picks at wide receiver. It was a good wide receiver class. Uh, the one that was most interesting to me personally uh, was Sky Moore, who you just mentioned, just because of the landing spot. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on Sky Moore and then maybe just pick one or two other wide receivers that you think are interesting after and that. I, I didn't mean to jump the gun on that, but like the dynasty community, the fantasy community is going nuts on Sky Moore. That's and a the professional thing is, segue. That, I mean, he's 5'8", he's you know, like I almost feel like this is almost the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire effect, right? We talked about him jumping up boards. We've had multiple guests on. They've all said he's a second-round rookie pick. Guess what? He goes to the Chiefs. 
and everyone's taking him in mid first and they're taking him over some of these premium wide receivers. I mean, I've seen, I had, I had one draft, they took him over Chris Olave, you know, and I'm just like, no, this is not the same player here. Um, but I think he's going to be able to get open quickly. You know, he's very, he's very quick twitch muscles right off the line, but he's a smaller guy, you know, and I think we're looking, we're trying to create something just like we are with Christian Watson, where it's like Tyreek Hill's gone. Somebody else has to be that guy. But I mean, Juju's there, you know, they're, they're Jarvis Landry could still be a guy that gets signed. I think Patrick Mahomes is just going to have to key in on Kelsey and spread the ball. But I do like Sky Moore. I'm just never an advocate of overpaying for a situation compared to talent like we talked about in the beginning. Yeah, and I think this is kind of a situation like the Michael Hardman draft pick. Yes. Uh, you know, that happened when Tyreek Hill was dealing with potential suspension issues, and I feel like the Chiefs just went out and tried to draft a new Tyreek Hill. We see how that worked out. I feel like yeah. they might have tried to do it again, um, and I, I'm not feeling super confident uh, in that yeah. situation. And, and the Chiefs had a good draft knowing that they had to – they beefed out their secondary because they're going to have to – they're going to have to compete with Josh Allen to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what it's right. going to be. And I think they beefed up I mean, the defense I don't know. a little bit. They're going to have to compete with Joe Burrow to get to the Super Bowl. It's okay, all right. I'm also <laughs> I'm a bigger Bills fan than I am an Eagles fan. But they, they broke my heart all the time, man. I got to say, you know, in high, my four years of high school were our four lost Super Bowls. Now we're – man, I just – let our listeners know how old I am. But <laughs> then this year, everybody was messaging me and they're like, oh, they're going to do it. Ah, that was that that game broke my heart. But uh, yeah, I think they had a good draft. I just think Sky Moore is is I don't know. I mean, I almost would have preferred right right ahead of them. Alex Pierce went to the Colts. Another guy that I like, you know, I almost would have preferred them moving up a little bit. But for the value for where they picked, I think he's he's a good value there. Yeah. Uh, anybody else in this wide receiver class that like yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's two other guys really worth talking about. George Pickens, before his injury, I believe he was a first rounder for sure. Um, and Pittsburgh doesn't seem like the greatest landing spot in clearly in redraft, but in Dynasty, Deontay Johnson is going to be a free agent. Chase Claypool's had on and off the field type issues at times, so I think George Pickens is a nice little nice little play. And John Meachie, John Meachie from Alabama goes to the Texans at two twelve, and the Texans have Brandon Cooks, and that's about it. And this is a guy that I think has a very good route tree that, you know, we could see him emerge as that nice wide receiver too in a Texans offense that's going to be losing a lot. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I would add maybe that Nico Collins exists. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm that's trying. A- <laughs> I'm a truther in Nico Collins. I have him on most of my dynasty rosters. I We just didn't see a lot year one, but, you know, it, it, they're going to be duking it out for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think that pretty much we spent a lot of time on the wide receivers here. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into these other skill position players. Uh, and just right off the top, though, let's say I don't think there are any tight ends uh, that are going to be fantasy relevant, maybe ever uh, that we're drafting I mean, in this class. We're looking at like Trey McBride going to the Cardinals, I think, is a guy that Usually they say it takes three years for a tight end to break out, you know, and he, he's more of your traditional type tight end. So, you know, for redraft, we're not even going to mention any of these guys, you know, and it's, it's going to be a they're going third round rookie picks, you know, so they're not guys that were like jumping in there. Trey McBride might go in the second. The rest of the guys are all pretty much dart throws at this point. Yeah. So let's get into the quarterbacks here. Probably only two or three that are worth talking about. Uh, but one of them that went in the first round, let's go ahead and chat about a little bit. And that was Kenny Pickett at pick number 20 going to Pittsburgh. And I was, you know, we have kind of a, a running joke of some fake ad segments about Mitch Trubisky here. Uh, yeah. And so I was kind of sad to see Pittsburgh do this because we're potentially losing content for our fake ads of Mitch Trubisky <laughs> being relevant again. Uh, but Kenny Pickett is going to go compete uh, with Mitchell Trubisky there in Pittsburgh after being drafted at pick 20. I think they start out with Trubisky, see what he can do. You know, I think Kenny Pickett, it's great because he's a Pittsburgh guy. He's still there. You know, he goes to pick 20, so that's some high draft capital. But, I mean, there's a lot to like about Kenny Pickett, and then there's a lot where it's like I, I some tape. I mean, no one has more improve over one year from 2020 to 2021. You know, he goes into a great situation. 
there's a lot of things that kind of his decision-making skills sometimes aren't the greatest. You know, they say he's got really small hands and that's a joke all over mm-hmm. Twitter because it's like literally almost criminally like eight inch hands, which doesn't even exist. Right. And I don't know how you grip the football, but <laughs> like he was able to throw to all three levels of the field, a good velocity, just nothing exceptional. There's nothing exciting, but the way Ben Roethlisberger's played over the last couple of years, we're just excited for something different, you know? Yeah. I mean, do you think uh, this is a conversation that I've heard a lot of people talk about is the value of those uh, pass catching options going into this season with, like you mentioned, Ben Roethlisberger being a pretty poor quarterback these last couple of years, but he was throwing the ball like more than almost anybody in the league. There were so many targets, Uh, but with Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett at the helm, what do you think the value is, you know, for let's just think about this year going into this year of a Chase Claypool or a Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson uh, or even maybe Najee Harris, who, you know, got a lot of his value on the back of catches. So uh, Najee Harris is one of my absolute favorites because I think most people say Najee Harris is going to drop off because Ben Roethlisberger was dumping the ball off. However, you got a rookie quarterback or a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, who in the past has dumped off quite a bit, you know, and I feel like if we can get a slightly better offense, a little bit more competent quarterback play, they're going to get in the red zone more. And Najee Harris's touchdowns are going to go up. I believe he had eight last year. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a guy that is amazing in the red zone who could easily put up 15 touchdowns, you know, and if we do that, all of a sudden we're into a situation where he's a similar type talent as the guys that we've been talking about, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall. I mean, he is an elite talent. So I love him. Deontay Johnson is a volume guy, but he just gets open no matter what. You know, he's rock solid wide receiver too. Chase Claypool, I think, is the interesting call. Is like his rookie year, he looked fantastic. Very touchdown dependent, but Roethlisberger was able to hook hook him up with some bombs. Mm -hmm. You know, he was able to get some running plays. Last year, it just didn't happen. And I think it was a lot because of Roethlisberger's arm strength was just done. Yeah. You know, so I, I think Trubisky, if he's willing to make some of those riskier throws, which is for him, I think the biggest thing is like he's I feel like he's going to play it safe because he's going to be worried about losing a job. And that could that could hold him back a little bit. But for me, it's Deontay Johnson and the rest of them kind of fading back a little bit as wide receivers. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And Deontay Johnson is one of my favorite wide receivers, especially in the oh, yeah. PPR league. He's just he's like, so fun. Yeah, he, he's super good. Um, You know. Talk to me about, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter went the third round of the Falcons. Um, Leek Willis also in the third round to the Titans and Matt Corral at the very end of that third round of the Panthers. Any of those three guys really, you know, intriguing for you? Desmond Ritter, I think, might jump onto the field earlier because Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota is the only guy ahead of him. Sure. Um, I didn't love him, but, you know, he's all right. You know, I think Malik Willis was my favorite because he's got a lot of tools. You know, a lot of people comp him to a light version of Lamar Jackson just because he's such a great runner. Right. So many touchdowns. I believe it was 89 touchdowns over two years there at Liberty. You know, and I think he really fell. A lot of people in Dynasty thought he was going to be a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so he fell back com- considerably. But he goes to a good situation. I mean, he's in Tennessee with a great coach with Rabel. And then he's going to be behind Tannehill. And I heard Tannehill, like – he didn't even care that Tennessee drafted him. He called him, you know, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, who just blackballed Jordan Love for right. an entire year after he did that, you know. And I think Tannehill's a great guy to learn from. Matt Corral, I kind of like. I mean, I think he's pro ready, and he's only behind Sam Darnold there. So, I mean, I think we could see some of these guys this year. I'm just not excited about any of them. Yeah, and I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, talk a little bit about Matt Corral. You know, Nick is a diehard Panthers fan. Uh, and you know, we were that. talking, <laughs> we were talking about that a little bit that, you know, maybe for our dynasty league, you know, Matt Crowell is somebody that we could target kind of late in the super flex and get some yeah. value out of, um, because he does have, uh, you know, a path to a lot of snaps. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's been going, um, I've been seeing him late second, early third mm-hmm. in all of our rookie drafts. And that's pretty good value if you can get a guy there that's going to come out and he's going to perform and he could get a potential, you know, jump onto the field pretty, pretty early here. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up here. Uh, talking about the running backs again, as we mentioned, there's, you know, one at the top and then everybody else. Uh, but there might be right. a couple, a couple of guys, you know, we talked about Brees Hall. I don't know if you have anything that you want to add there, but then uh, maybe these other two wide res- or other two running backs, excuse me, that are, worth thinking about for dynasty yeah i think i gushed pretty good there on Brees hall <laughs> where i was literally just beaming when i was talking um i th- the the nfl comparison to him is matt forte 
And if you guys remember Matt Forte, I mean, we're talking about a guy that does it all. Totally. And they can put him out wide receiver even, like as far as catching some balls in the slot. We're not just talking about a guy where, you know, we talked about Najee Harris getting some dump offs, but this is a guy that we're looking like a three down back who can literally catch passes and go in, you know, into the slot. Uh, Kenneth Walker is the fun one for me. You know, I think Kenneth Walker was not even remotely close to being on the radar until this past year. And he went nuts. I mean, he was, you know, a finalist for the Doak Walker Award. The Seahawks on paper don't seem like a great situation. Mm -hmm. However, Chris Carson has not been cleared to come back yet. Rashad Penny, aside from the last six games last year, Rashad Penny has just been a ghost. You know, so Kenneth Walker is kind of, we have all those wide receivers in this class, but if I'm drafting in Dynasty rookie drafts, Kenneth Walker is my 102. I take him after Brees Hall because running backs are just so hard to come by. And the the biggest thing where he's an explosive runner, I believe he ran for over five yards per carry. It was just, he lacked not pass catching ability, pass catching usage. You know, he was a guy where we talked about Jonathan Taylor only was a guy that we thought couldn't catch passes this year. I believe he caught 38, you know, and and we're saying Kenneth Walker can't, but that we we can't and doesn't. Is not the same thing. You know, it's just they didn't utilize him in that situation. So Kenneth Walker is a guy in redrafts where I think by the back end half of the season here could be a league winner type where he's a guy that, you know, gets those red zone opportunities and he becomes a three down back in that offense. All right. I love that. Um, you know, maybe he steals what Rashad Penny did for everybody last year and takes that would be that nice. Game. He won me lots of money. So <laughs> I, I appreciate Rashad Penny. Yeah, uh, and then I know you had mentioned James Cook a little bit, uh, but uh, you know, going to the Bills, so many people coming into the draft were like, oh, I want Brees Hall to the Bills, Brees Hall to the Bills. And I was yeah. really not jazzed about that uh, from a fantasy perspective just because you know Josh Allen does so much on the ground. He's going to vulture so many touchdowns. Uh, but so they end up getting a bulldog. You know, James Cook out of Georgia uh, mm-hmm. goes to the Bills at the end of the second round. Uh, what, do you, what do you feel about him? So I feel like Josh Allen's my all-time favorite fantasy football player. I love him. Yeah. Because of the contract that they give him, because of they, you know, trying to keep him healthy, I feel like we're going to see a situation where they try to scale back, at least in the red zone, because he has taken a beating yeah. over the last several years, you know, and all those rushing touchdowns. James Cook, brother of Dalvin Cook, but does not play like Dalvin <laughs> Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook is a phenomenal between the tackles running back. James Cook is a pass catching machine. Mm. You know, the Bills wanted JD McKissick. They thought they had a deal done. JD McKissick backs out to go back to Washington. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to go play for a Super Bowl contender. Right. And now they get James Cook, who is a more explosive version of JD McKissick. I mean, I heard the offensive coordinator talking about how they can put him out. Same as we talked about with with Brees Hall versus Kenneth Walker. He can go out wide. He can go out there and catch. The biggest knock against him was, you know, he doesn't project weight-wise as a three-down back. He's at 209, I believe 210 is what the threshold usually is. So he's right there. James Cook's only, you know, he's going to be a great third-down back. I think he's going to be in that situation. And if Devin Singletary goes down, that is the offense where you want a running back, right? I mean, if if Brees Hall went to the Bills, the Twitter would have broke. You know, like the internet would have broke down. But James Cook's a nice little consolation there. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, and with that, that's our you know draft breakdown, these rookie breakdown. Uh, that's our show. Um, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. Uh, if you want to go ahead and just tell the people where they can find you, uh, you know, go ahead. It's your moment. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, you guys can find me on Twitter at dynasty underscore dad ff. Um, you know, I'm a father of four, so that's where the dad part comes in there. But I mean. I absolutely love talking dynasty trades. Hit me up on Twitter whenever. Uh, listen to us on the Smash Accept podcast. We talk about dynasty trades. We we you know we've been talking rookies for the last several months, mm-hmm. but now we're talking about trades and we're going to talk about rookie drafts here in a little bit. We're going to talk about trades nonstop. And if you guys send your trades in, you know, or put in hashtag Smash Accept, answer all your Twitter questions. We actually put a lot of them on the show. Give you guys a shout out, you know, and uh, it's just fun. And you guys should check that out. Got some great co-hosts, you know, John Hampton at Dynasty underscore trades, um, Mung Sung as he's at FFMENG, and uh, Ian, who is at Optimistic Vikings fan, or Optimistic Vikings fan, which I, I don't blame anybody Ouch. for their who they root on. But, uh, you know, awesome guys to follow. Thanks again for having me on here. I mean, it was a great time. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I so appreciate it. And y'all, I can totally vouch for how fun Smash Accept is, you know. 
prepping for this, trying to figure out who we wanted on the show, you know, listen to a bunch of different shows, listen to a number of episodes of Smash Except. Uh, and it's just a good time that is also filled with tons of great information. So a real pleasure having you on the show here, Michael. Um, and as always, you know, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick G. Luciano, who wasn't able to join us today. My name's Elijah Motika. You can follow me on Twitter at Elijah Motika. And be sure to follow our show at 25YLFF and rate and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. You know, that's for us. That's for Smash Except, of course. You know, got to get those subscribes up. Got to get those ratings up. Um, but, yeah, thanks again for listening. Thank you, Michael, for being here. And we will see you 25 yards later. Thank you for listening to 25 Yards Later, Sports Obsesses Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. Audio editing by Mitch Proctor and music by Elijah Motika.